here we go for another Tuesday Night Live uh, following our lacklustre win over the Gold Coast on the weekend. Uh, joining me tonight, we have Macca23. How you going, Macca? Very well, thank you. Good evening, all. And a welcome return to the Tuesday Night Live panel. We have Danoz. How you going, mate? I'm good, thanks. How are you, Phoenix? Oh, pretty good for an old fella. Um, and, oh, look who happened to turn up, Nikki. How are you going, Nikki? Hello. Just got in from training. Oh, I just got in from training. Come on now. Nice excuse, Nikki. No, seriously, I just got in the door. Yeah, I'd say that too. <laughs> do, do you even Tuesday train? Tuesday my training night. Yes, I do. Well, what do you, yes, I train. Like a few laps or a couple of... Couple of... No, no. We we had drills. Um, we were doing drills with some of the guys tonight. <laughs> yeah, but what about training? <laughs> Say no more, Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> you got. <laughs> yes, were yes. Having drills with the boys. <laughs> <laughs> the mind boggles. Yeah. <laughs> what else do you call them? They're football drills. <laughs> I I'm the one whose mind is in the gutter. A little bit uh, higher than that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Macca, come no, on. No, Phoenix, Phoenix is falling in the gutter. We know that. No, okay. I'm actually not. I'm not falling in the gutter. I reside there. Nikki, you know that as well as I do? No, I said fully. Oh, fully. Yeah, yeah, yeah fully. Yes. Exactly. Well, I'm sure the, uh, the Crabs boys enjoyed having, uh, what are you again, the dolphins or something? Stingrays. Stingrays, that's it. I keep forgetting. <laughs> Hey, feel the sting. What, why not the mermaids? Seriously, why wouldn't you call yourself the why? mermaids? Because you're female. There are female stingrays too. Yeah. There's probably, probably a female stingray <laughs> yes. that did bloody Irwin in. Spiteful bloody was, thing it was. Uh, no. <laughs> right bloody thing to do. He just gave it a little jab. Oh, what do you mean? Anyway. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, I actually work, when that happened, I work with a marine biologist and when we heard about it, the first thing, their response was, how long had he been annoying it? Long enough, as it yep. turns out. <laughs> Vardy reckons mermaids, Guernsey, Guernsey would be interesting. You'd probably be good in the wet, I'd say. And, <laughs> oh, and bloody rained on Sunday, I wasn't happy with that. No double meaning intended there either. But anyway, let's get to the footy, shall we? We had um, rather a weird game on Saturday, didn't we? Saturday it was, wasn't it? Seems so long ago. Um, and obviously uh, we covered it in detail on um, on Sunday night, but we'll have a bit of chat with that. We'll also talk about the uh, news around the place. In particular, I'd imagine, Nikki, you'll have a take on Mr Jonas and, uh, what did he get? He got six. Good. He got six. Uh, try, well, we'll talk about it in a minute, but, uh, yeah, probably uh, probably about right. And then, obviously, we'll talk about the Giants game coming up on the weekend, which should be a bit of a blockbuster. So, without any further ado, Nikki, if you've uh, got the ice pack on and... Uh, um, you no, know, just, I haven't even had time to grab that. Oh, go and grab a bag of peas or something. Where does it hurt, by the way, if, you, if you're if having a few drills? Me? Oh, hamstrings. 
Nej, kan jag got. I quite like the fact that if you haven't heard, the Kangaroos will give Kane Turner a four-week suspension, but that will only start from when he's now going to become available. So about seven so weeks, that, right, all up? Yeah, I think so. Um, and to me, that's actually such a great, strong message that they're given. Port tried to tell us that they were strong, but really the first chance they got to bring Cracker Brack in, they brought him back in. Can you um, say that again? That Cracker Brack? Cracker back in. Mm. Is that one of your drills you did? You can imagine the glare <laughs> <laughs> I'm making right now. <laughs> Sorry, push on. So, yes. <laughs> you keep this up, I'm not going to say anything. This is a very short news section. That was legit. That was legitimate. Keep going. Don't stop. <laughs> I know you did to me then the the inadvertent. <laughs> but I actually think that the way the the kangaroos actually got in the front foot about it immediately said this is just unacceptable. Um, we're going to you know wait a little bit and then we'll let you know how we're going to deal with this. And then they came out again quite strongly about it. So I actually um, think that the the kangaroos actually deserve some kudos for the way that they've actually handled this um, very well. What do you think that they would have done if it was Azebel or Cunnington or Swallow who had done it and not Kane Turner? Great point, Dan. I would actually hope Hawthorne, that they would do the same thing. Well, that's what we would hope. But would Hawthorne have treated Luke Hodge differently to Brad Hill? Well, we, know we know they, they don't. They, they de- we know they, they do treat them differently. Yeah. We know they they definitely treat him a lot differently, particularly when there's a game on the line. Um, Turner's actually been in the side, and he, I mean, he's he's not one of the stars, but he's a you know he's a decent player, and he's one of the young ones that's coming through. So, and they're the players you actually want to get games into. So you don't want to have them seven weeks out. No, but he's much more expendable than one of the top liners. Yeah, I agree with that because that's about as much excitement as if somebody said Van Burlo was unavailable. Oh, please. <laughs> no. Henderson. Either then or. we'd all be having a party. I give <laughs> we'd you, all be having a party. I give you, Nicky, you're right. <laughs> um, I, I think you are correct that they wouldn't have been as strong, but you would hope that they, there would be something adequate. So they, they probably would have, if we're playing devil's advocate, I reckon they probably they might have halved it. For me, in a way, it's if it's actually a senior player that's done that, it's actually even worse because a younger Absolutely player, is. you can you can understand them making a stupid mistake, but your senior player, those that are in the leadership group, you expect them not to behave this way because they're the ones setting the standards. If they're the ones that are breaking those standards, the punishment should be greater. Yeah, but it doesn't seem to work that way. 
Yeah, but I agree, it doesn't seem to work that way. No, I've got to say, from time immemorial, though, every club is like that. And uh, it, it's like in our club, uh, if Rory Sloan did something that, uh, and, you know, and he's a great leader, uh, and, and compared to one of the juniors, he's not going to get built at the same. No, it's an interesting yep. people management conversation because I guess there's a lot of parallels in day-to-day employment life, you know, a, a senior manager is probably less likely to be um, smacked as hard as a junior simply because they're more integral to the operation of the business. And there's probably a, a fair argument to say that that's reasonable. But um, so whether I think it was it Mick Malthouse used to advocate for different treatment for um, different levels of players. And I don't necessarily disagree with that, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I, th- I think you also need to take into account what the punishment is actually how it's actually going to work for that player um, because people are different. So you could, somebody, you know, you have to give a longer punishment for because they're not going to quite get it through their heads. Whereas other ones, you, if you give them a single one, it's, it's going to stick a bit better. So it does come down to that balance, as you said, that people management. And I agree with you, Phoenix, and, and with Malthouse, is that you do have to look at the individual's in terms of how you deal with it. And, and it's also the circumstances of what actually happened. I think this is probably a good segue to the Jonas conversation as well. Nikki, you may not be aware, yeah. but, but they, um, Port Adelaide didn't send anyone over to uh, Melbourne for the hearing. Jonas appeared by video link. Oh. Uh, and apparently their defence, let me see if I can get this right, the defence was based on the charge being too high and it should be the charge should have been downgraded. So instead of giving any uh, or putting any defence towards um, what he did, yeah, so- they just said he should be charged based on this instead and just sent it, uh, put him on a video. Yeah, they if, it tried to, Travis, um, if it was sorry. Travis Boak, do you think they would have done the same thing? Do you think they would have oh, no, gone he a would little have bit harder? Up. Well, they need Jonas. He's, he's as Kane Corn said, he's the only one who's actually playing the Port Adelaide way. Um, sorry, <laughs> that was a snipe. <laughs> Dave, Dave Granger way. <laughs> was it? Yeah, um, I did see the evidence that was presented. It's um, when I had to go to training was when they'd just gone off to deliberate. And and looking at that evidence that was being presented, I was just shaking my head the whole time everything was coming out. And he was saying, I was scared for my own safety. And I think I actually put it in the thread. Well, if you're scared for your own safety, stop running. Uh, dodge the guy. Don't lift your elbow. It's it was just ridiculous from what I could see that what they were trying to do to argue that it was careless and not intentional, and I just see that they yep they got him as intentional. Actually, undermined everything that they were saying leading up to the case being heard. I mean the you know the contrite press conference etc etc, and then to turn around and say well we actually think it should be rated as careless rather than intentional. and, you know, really, um, it was only in the last two strides that uh, I realised I wasn't going to make the quote-unquote contest. It was no contest. Um, you know, from from going to, from remorse to, uh, well, shit, you know, it was just uh, a touch more than a, a football incident is uh, quite hypocritical but quite typical of Port Adelaide at the moment. I reckon 6C was probably, uh, probably about right in the end. 
Well, because there was no early discount because he changed, he challenged the intent. Um, so the standard was, I think, I think the standard is around the six. And initially when I saw it, that's what I thought, that's what I would have found acceptable. Yeah, but Nicky, um, he, he would have only got, uh, he would have got one match less if he just pleaded playing guilty to the charge. Uh, once he uh, was disputing the charge, uh, any that uh, that one game off for pleading guilty uh, disappears. So if, yeah. if, even if they were going to give him six, he would have got away with five. But, um, you know, they... And I agree with the boys on 5AA. He was very, very uh, poorly advised, very, very poorly advised because, you know, in fact, the uh, bloke who was prosecuting the case for the AFL uh, actually called him a liar, uh, straight out a liar, because um, the, the evidence he was giving did not match the video at all. So uh, he actually No, it didn't. He actually came back afterwards, Gleeson, um, and qualified that statement by saying... He didn't feel that um, Jonas was lying. Uh, he felt that he'd, uh, I forget the exact terminology, but it was basically... Honest, honest reconstruction. Honest reconstruction of events, um, which is a nice way of That's saying he's lie. lying through his freaking teeth. But anyway. Yeah, but very... I, don't, um, I don't think they were the words you originally used. That was the word. No, not originally. Okay. No, Origin- yeah, I agree. Yeah, and so I mean, he, he obviously thought he probably was a little bit strong with the the, the way he expressed it at, when they was actually pressing the case against him. Um, but the whole point was, uh, if you look at the video, you can see, and, uh, and that brings another question in my mind. It's Graham Corn's gone round the bend. He was trying oh. to say that he, he was trying Honey, to say that last happened night. years ago. Yeah, <laughs> he was trying to say that. Um, you know, he's got a case to argue. He was defending himself. My God, the man is mad. Actually, I want to throw an absolute brick back at the Adelaide media because I remember getting in the car after work on Monday. I turned it on. It's on Triple M. And there's they're about to interview Hamish Hartlett and they immediately start talking about Jonas with Hamish Hartlett. Oh, what a good bloke he is. He isn't a thug. Oh, he felt so bad, all this other stuff. I'm sorry, you can still be a thug and a good bloke because in that moment with what he did, that was a thug, thuggish act. And I don't think anybody can actually really, really defend that. Well, equivalent to a coward punch, really. Yeah. Nothing more than a coward punch. And the fact that the Adelaide media, so 5AA, um, Everybody was actually backing him in saying, oh, he's such a good bloke, though. He didn't mean to do it. Well, he did it. And if you do something like that, you have to face the consequences. Yes, you can feel remorse, and that means he's actually human and understands that he's done something wrong, but in the heat of the moment, he did it. Yeah, and, Nikki, if, if he did that out in the public life, he'd be up in the courts. Oh, definitely. I I was actually... I was in the kitchen when it was happening and all of a sudden I've glanced up and hear this thing and there's this melee going on. And so I run back around, wound up back to see actually what happened and watching that actually happen live, that elbow went up so early and my immediate thought was that's six weeks straight away. Well, you gave a brick back to the Adelaide media, but there was one um, photograph posted uh, used on the oh, front yeah. page. That was good. 
and that pretty much summed it up. You know, eyes on gaff, uh, elbow raised. You know, still what two, three steps away. Um, that was pretty yeah. damning. So uh, you know, good on the Sunday Mail, I guess, for for putting that up. It was a pretty telling picture. Um, look, I, I actually I think, wonder whether Port on. got in touch with the media to kind of put some pressure on if you want Port players to do your recap, etc. Go softly. Yeah, and you know what? Because that, that's what I felt. This is a bit of thing that's crept into the Adelaide media, and you know. Whether we like it or not, we're actually part, we're part of the Adelaide media with the amount of listeners we're getting at the moment. But <laughs> but the the um, the manipulation of the media in Adelaide by the clubs and vice versa um, leaves precious little room for objective comment. And I think that's why so many people are, are, are switching off mainstream media in in South Australia in particular because it's. It's it's so canned and it's so couched towards ongoing relationships with the clubs and and whatnot. I, I can't remember the last time anyone probably Treadray is the only one that seems to be relatively objective. Um, but some of the pandering that goes on and and you're right with Jonas this week over the last couple of days the pandering that's been going on 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 AA and uh, other outlets. Is, I mean it's pointless listening to it. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah, and and that's why I I've stopped listening to them, and why oh I do things like this. Yeah, but it, oh, I, I like listening to them, but, and the reason I like listening to them, um, particularly in particular, comes out with some pretty interesting stuff at times, and um, and, and he's a pretty well informed bloke, Bickley, and uh, occasionally he lets a little bit slip. Yeah, but he got it. He, like you'd think he's informed. He got it particularly wrong with Danger last year. So you just wonder how much he's being fed. I mean, I know he runs the Crow Show, which is essentially just a Crow's produced television show. Um, but I think that they would treat him pretty much the same as any other media commentator. They would feed him what they want to feed him, and uh, occasionally he might get a bit of an inkling due to his associations. But uh, I don't think he's any more or less informed than anyone else, really. He's more informed than bloody Rowie. That's not hard. My coffee mug here is more informed than Rowie, for God's sakes. And more intelligent. That's a pretty dumb mug, but... See, the thing is, Rowie, I think, is an act, and he's kind of encouraged to be that act. And I've actually... When he actually kind of calms down and he starts talking a bit more, less of that act and starts discussing things, you actually get some good things out of Rowie. But I think, unfortunately, it's the radio's kind of turned into that clickbait. That's what they're after. They're, they're after the sensationalism. They're after people ringing up and getting angry with them. And most of the time I don't think what he says, he actually really agrees with what he's saying. I don't know. Yeah, is, that, is he smart enough for that, Nikki? Well, he's done, if you actually think, he's had quite a decent kind of coaching career and this day and age you don't kind of coach at that level that he has been without having some intelligence about the game. Hang on. You could say that about Andrew Jarman too and he's a toss. Oh, I agree. No, 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 no. He's coaching Gaza. Yeah, I know, but he's coached North and... 
No, Andrew Jarman's yeah, yeah, coached no. North and uh, bloody West Perth or whoever it was. He has. Got a premiership with West Perth, Perth didn't he? Oh, um, I'm not sure about that. I know I know. at one stage in his coaching career in West Perth, he uh, actually started all 18 players uh, in defence. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's oh, something that's only Andrew Jarman could do. But, you know, I no, mean... It's definitely outside the square. <laughs> No, was that him or was that Hocking from Port Adelaide? No, no, no. That was that was Say Jarman, I think. Well, Ho- well, Hocking definitely did that some years back. Yeah, I don't. Th- I think that was in a in a VFL ga- or a country game, uh, Macca. I do recall that as well. But I know Jars did something similar in West in Western Australia. A couple of Einsteins then. Yeah, they didn't they didn't get his particular um, style over in WA. I don't think. <laughs> I don't think many people get his particular style. So, Nikki, I've been hearing a little bit on SEN uh, over the last few days. There's starting to become a little bit of a discussion about the woes of Gold Coast. And in particular, the debate that's gaining some momentum regarding what they should do with Gary Ablett. Yeah. School of thought that they should trade him. Well, I don't think he should be captain. And I never thought he should be captain. He just is is the wrong personality. And I always thought that. Um, this is a debate we've, we've kind of often had on the board and I have to agree with the general consensus that's happened on there, which is Gold Coast is just the wrong place to put young men with a lot of money. Well, Gary's not young. He's 31. No, but he... He is not the type of personality like a Tex. No, look, he, he definitely should have been the captain. I think that was a very poor choice. Um, I, I, he would have achieved a lot more if he was just allowed to run free, I think. Not that yeah, he had... you could have him in the leadership group. No problem I, with that. I agree with that. But um, as for what they should do in the future, it's... Uh, I don't... Yeah, I, I really don't know what to... What a, I've got mixed feelings on it. You know, uh, common sense says, well, they're not going to win a flag for a long, long time. So um, maybe if you can get a couple of decent uh, picks for him uh, or a very couple of young players, well, then you should do it. Um, I think that's the common sense approach. The emotional approach says, well, you know, he, got, he committed himself up there for umpteen years. He's prepared to go on. Um, it seems like a bit of a dog act to do that to him. But um, I think... When it comes down to the crunch, it's every man for himself, it's every football club for themselves, and I would trade him. I don't think he's worth that much, though, is he, Macca? Oh, his trade value's definitely gone down. There's no argument about that. He wouldn't get a first-rounder. The trouble is for the Gold Coast, I think, that they'd have to pay out um, part of his salary um, the following year. So there'd probably be, what, half a mil uh, on their TPP... um, I put the question to you guys, though, uh, from a purely Adelaide perspective. How do you reckon he'd go in our midfield? He'd get a kick. <laughs> and I think, uh, I think our... Um... Go on, Daniels. I think he'd probably um, get a game. I don't know what specifically he'd add, though. Um, we've Class. got a pretty weak midfield this year. Oh, no, he'd be very good at that, uh, that outside seagull type. He'd it, it, it add a touch of class to our midfield of uh, workhorses. 
in my view. When he gets on the track. And would we be willing to pay what Gold Coast would be asking for? I think teams will only take him on if Gold Coast are playing the majority of that salary. Yeah, yeah, at least, at least 50%. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. 50%. I like, um, I mean, people kind of forget this, but when we took Tambling, we actually were paying him a very minimal amount. Pretty much Richmond was almost subsidising the fact that he was on our list. Mm. So they should have, you know, we took a day. Yeah. But if you, he um, a nice goal in his last game. If you had Gaz at 450000 and had to give up uh, a second round for him, it's not the worst trade you'd have to do. I, I, I would do that. Yeah, I think a lot of teams would do that. There's a lot of talk also about Pressier and Nomira, obviously up there wanting out. I want Pressier in particular. Um, yeah, as you... You, know, you guys know I want Pressier. Yes, please. In yeah, my look... football team. Yeah, he's very good, Presti. He can earn his own <laughs> ball too. Yeah, he's every every time everybody started talking about um, the Gold Coast, the midfield, and the young ones coming through, and everybody talked up Omira. I was the one who always going, no, Prestia is the one I want. Omira, yeah, he's flash, but Prestia is the one who gets it to him, and Prestia is the one who can also do a bit of the flash as well. Um, that. He's he's just got such class, and he knows how to find the ball so well, and he's so and he's tough at it. Whereas O'Meara, to me, I always saw more as the um, outside he's a Rolls, player. He's a Rolls Royce. Presti is your uh, your Land Rover. He'll go in and get the hard nut, but he'll also go forever and pick you up forty touches. O'Meara will just yeah. be all class and all silk. Um, uh, I'd take Pressier in a heartbeat. I've been a rap for him for ages. Uh, it's a sad state of affairs, though, for both the Queensland clubs that they cannot keep their Melbourne-based players or their, you know, their, their players that drafted from interstate. You take Ablett. So consider that Ablett goes somewhere, maybe even back to Geelong, um, for that matter, um, and O'Meara and Prestia, um leave as well in the off-season. That that club is, as some pundits are saying, all, already in rebuild mode after being in the competition for five years. Yeah, and I, but I think Geelong have already come out and said they they wouldn't be uh, interested in taking Ablett back. Yeah, irrespective though, I mean, both Brisbane clubs or both Queensland clubs being effectively in rebuild mode. Um, you know, Brisbane with a questionable coaching situation um, and Gold Coast basically having been proven to take completely the wrong strategy into their implementation and now with a, a, a chairman who's who was excellent for V8s, he's, he's had a bit of a rough start in the AFL. He doesn't mind saying a few things, but uh, I don't know. It's, it's Football's a bit rough in Queensland at the moment. I don't think he achieved very much by bagging the, uh, the previous coach, uh, you know, the way he did. Yeah, you don't you don't really do that. That's I, yeah, I agree that that just makes you look bad. Yeah, look, it adds nothing to the morale of the club either. I don't think it says you know it really just says we're a bit of a shit bag of a club, and it's his fault. I reckon they should merge Brisbane and Gold Coast and give Tassie a team. Wow. I mean, that's what should happen, Dad. I don't disagree with you, but do you reckon yeah. they ever would? 
They won't do it. No, They're they won't. never, ever going to give Tasmania a team. Well, they won't do it because they said they want to have at least two teams in every state. It makes you wonder, though. I mean, that's, that whole strategy of expansion has largely been driven by media. I mean, there's, there's a case to be made for, you know, Queensland and New South Wales being the most populous of the non-football states and therefore it makes sense to have a presence there. But the media wanted the nine games a week. But you have to wonder how much value they're getting out of those extra one or two games a week that they're getting or the extra one game that they're getting with the inclusion of teams like Gold Coast. Uh, We're starting to see teams or the competition influenced very much by injuries. You, You start getting a few injuries and there's just not the depth in lists anymore for clubs to be able to cover that after about two or three, you know, key injuries. They actually put up a graphic on one of the footy shows of the Gold Coast team. There's actually only four... Uh, no. Was it Gold Coast or was it Fremantle? No, it was Fremantle. They put up a graphic of Fremantle's team and there's only four omissions from um, last year's, you know, um, trailblazing team. And four that have that have just not been selected, but just four forced omissions. That's the team actually isn't all that much different to what it was last year, and yet here they are sitting at the bottom without a win. Yeah, no, it's a very, very, very good point, um, and you're quite right that the introduction of the uh, the, ne- the next two teams, and they had something between them about a hundred players on their list, and there never wasn't another hundred players around of good AFL caliber to really fill those teams. Well, they actually took those good young players and it left all the rest of the teams to top up with players that normally wouldn't have a chance at being on an AFL list because they're not quite there. Um, and, and that was said at the time when they came in that the talent pool just isn't there to support these teams, but the AFL pushed ahead with it. You have to give kudos, though, to GWS for the way they went about it in that they got the right senior players in to complement the younger players coming through. And they picked the the better younger players. Gold Coast kind of went for the flash. GWS took the longer view. And, it, and it's paying dividends. Yeah, that that's true. And um, the, the AFL is really in the process. What they should have done at the time is they should have said to uh, North Melbourne, you are going there, and we're not going to finance you anymore. And if, and if you don't go there, we'll let you go down the tube um, and uh, stay with the 16 teams. What they've done now is they've got one very weak team in the Gold Coast, and it's going to take them umpteen years to get anywhere, in my opinion. And in GWS, they've got the reverse. They've created a monster. And you can also look at it with what's happened here. Can Adelaide, can Adelaide actually support two teams? if you? Think of how many times Port Adelaide has had to be bailed out. The fact that the smallest, you know, where it starts to go wrong for them and they've had those drop-offs in the numbers and they're not getting the money coming in, I mean, if we can't really support two teams without one of them having to kind of ask for handouts every so often... How's that going to cope in a place that actually has maybe a less population interested in the actual sport? 
Nicky wash your mouth out, Richie told us they've got they've got the greatest following in the state now. Because sure, they do. Yeah, that's because they've got uh, thirty thousand genuine members and thirty thousand cats and dogs. <laughs> yeah, um, we internally they know they don't. Um, I know. Internally, they they internally at that club they wish they had the Crows members, and they had 11-seat members. Yeah, I'm actually having a shot at Rucci here, actually. (laughs) He's probably listening too. That's just too easy. The thing of it is, though, the thing of it is, though, I mean, it's one thing to say they've got too many teams in, in Brisbane or in Queensland, but, again, if you went through and did the rationalisation in Victoria that should have always occurred then you're yes. also solving the talent pool problem while still maintaining um, a, pre- a good, meaningful presence um, in the expansion states. And like, it comes back down to 10 teams in Melbourne is too many and that's never going to change. And we're getting all these contrived things now. They're, now they're, there's whispers about mid-year drafts and there's you know the issues with the academies and whatnot. And the more, the more spokes you put in the wheel of equalisation... You've got the the cap. You've got the draft. You've got possible priority picks. You've got academies now. You've got all sorts of things like this. Um, you've got caps on footy department spends, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That's a balancing act that that Houdini couldn't couldn't uh, maintain. And uh, I I think the competition is going to go through some rocky times over the next five years. Well, I certainly don't think that they can maintain. Um uh, at the moment, they're getting a, a very large amount from the TV rights, and they've probably got you know one more. Well, they, they, in fact, they've got, got a very good deal coming up for the next lot. But I would be very fearful about the lot after that. Yeah, if the standard keeps dropping off in some teams, and you like what you're getting, if you're getting a season with Fremantle happening for a Melbourne team. That, right. that won't end well. No. There, there's a lot of variables, I think, um, to come into play, um, and we could probably go on for ages, but uh, maybe a, a topic to be further discussed next week. Let's push on and have a quick chat about the Gold Coast game itself on the weekend. Uh, whilst we did, we cover it in detail on Sunday night, uh, we've got... Uh, you mean Dennis. the Giants game? No, 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 just a quick recap of last week. I know we did it on Sunday night, but... Uh, Sorry, yeah. Yeah, um, whispers from the club post-match seem to indicate there's not going to be a huge amount of changes, so selection on Thursday night's going to be interesting. Yeah, hopefully Brown pulls up well from his ankle. Yeah, very important player. It'll be interesting to see if Laird's available. Wasn't it reported that Laird, Laird had a fracture? Yeah, that's why he's missed three weeks. Yeah, he did have a fracture, yeah. But it wasn't initially diagnosed as a fracture, was it? Yeah, it was. Oh, well, no, yeah, no. Broken toe, wasn't it? it was yeah, a, broken toe. It was a stub toe originally, and then it became oh, no. a fr- then it became a it fracture. Was a, it was a stub toe on the day, and then they went for scans on the Monday, and then they said it's a broken toe. Okay. He'll be up for three weeks. Correct. So, so we, we didn't play test. funny buggers about that. Yeah, he'll he'll be up he for was, a test. I'd say Brownie be up yeah. for a test. Um, 
you'd say Laird Laird he was passes. running last week. If if he passes, he's in. You'd imagine, um, and God, hopefully let's for Hendo. Hope it's Henderson, Jesus. Yes, please. But aside from that, um, I don't see any motivation to change our midfield structure to a great degree. So it looks like more of the same in that regard. Well, Pikey was on the radio and he was talking about the, the midfield, and he was in particular, um, without giving anything away, one way or the other, about the pickle they've got themselves into with Brad Couch by Crouch by bringing him in prematurely, then dropping him, and uh, and he again performed in the SAFL as we all expected that he would, and then they haven't got a game this week. So and then uh, our buy's coming up quite shortly too. So. Uh, it hasn't been very well planned, and or certainly hasn't gone to a plan, uh, if they did have one. Um, so my, my question is, what would you do this week? Well, it's it's uh, disappointing that they did drop him for the Suns because the Suns even played Van Berlo into some form. Um, <laughs> you'd think that Van, VB is holding <laughs> Crouch's spot warm until they can get Crouch back in. Um that's Matt Crouch, I mean. Um, Led will come back in for Henderson, and then it's a matter of Lions or um, Brad Crouch, well, in my opinion. Well, long term, we know who the better player is. Yeah. Mm. Yep, yeah, I um, <clears throat> Pardon me. I don't know what the answer is. I, I wouldn't mind betting... Um, if Miller keeps having quiet games, um, then he may end up be the, being the guy that makes way for B Crouch at some stage. But I don't think it'll be this week. I don't think we'll see Brad Crouch for another month. Miller didn't have a quiet game. He flashed, flashed in and out. Three goals. It was a pretty decent return, though. Yeah. He had, he had, tw- he had 12 possessions that, for the in game. In that forward line. Twelve, twelve posies um, against a needful team. He, like I probably judge his effort against Geelong a little bit more, um, but it comes back down to. I, I think we get more value from having the two Crouch boys and Lions in the team than having either two of either Matt Crouch, Brad Crouch, and Jared Lyons. Really, I agree. Yeah, I agree too. So in that case, and the seeds, only the, the only bloke that comes out is um, is Miller, unfortunately. Interestingly, I know we were kind of scathing a bit on how disappointed we were with Douglas, and yet Seedsman in the talking with Triple M, um, he was talking up Douglas and how well he played the midfield, and I'm listening to this going, really, okay, so obviously there's things internally that the club are looking for him to do and they're happy with, we're not seeing it yet. Well, he has been, he's been used in very much in a, in a negating role. Absolutely, Macca. And, and normally I've stuck up for him because I've noticed that, but I thought he was released a bit more because he wasn't really playing that much of a negating role on the weekend. And so yeah, that's seemed, why I was disappointed. It seemed that Sloan and Prestia were hard up against each other. And there was mm. nobody else really who they could tag, apart from maybe well, Riscatelli. Prestia was running with Thompson as well. So if Sloan was yeah. tagging Prestia and Prestia was tagging Thompson. I think uh, they, Prestia would have been on Tomo during the uh, 
stoppages, but after that it would have been pointless staying on time. He didn't move anyway. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I don't know. I, we've got some real issues in the midfield as being spoken. I, I just wonder if, if the internal measures are so um, so uh, intricate that the keen observer can't see what the hell is going on. To me, footy isn't a very complicated game in that regard, and I just wonder what they're seeing that we're not seeing that is so important. Well, as well, Buddy Magic's I- pointed out on the speaker chat, the game high pressure acts was with Douglas, so perhaps it was more negating. And the the response I I made to that is when you're watching it on the telly, the camera work doesn't help us to make a value judgment, really. Yeah, because you don't don't see that. Because you miss a lot. And, yeah, Yeah. damp squid, why can't they zoom out more? Annoys the shit out of me. Annoys the shit out of me too. The the thing is, though... The thing is, though, Nick, with the with the camera angles, and I agree, it doesn't help with uh, with the the larger picture um, game plan analysis. But you can, you certainly get a pretty good view of what's going on in the midfield, which is where all our problems are. And I, I see our senior blokes not running, um, and that's that's centre camera, so <laughs> that's pretty hard to miss that one. Yeah, the, the, the coach summed it up pretty well. He said that we we went and uh, definitely was right. We got. Went back to our old ways of all being sucked into the contest and nobody staying outside the contest. Yeah, well, it's disappointing that they get fall they fall back into that style after you know not only this preseason, but while she was trying to coach that Adam as well last year. Um, so remember, we were, we kind of discussed on Sunday night that we thought Pikey might have been playing around a little bit because we had a weaker opposition. We'll see that and, forward. yeah, well, did he maybe let them go to see how they were going to react in certain situations? Well, he said they did. It's funny because he, he made that particular comment, but he also said they did what they were asked to do. You can do both sometimes. Yeah, I don't know. It's not convincing me at the moment. Guys, to be honest with you, what I'm seeing with my own eyes doesn't doesn't compute to a team that's going about it the way they were even in the first two or three weeks. I mean, we look to be a different team now after a couple of close losses, and I think our confidence is a little shot. Um, certainly it seems that way in terms of our uh, ball movement. We're, we're far less adventurous and aggressive with our ball movement than we Although were earlier in the season. During the losses, we did... Uh, lose our ability to be able to run through the middle and there was definitely a concerted effort to to get them all run through the middle of the ground on Saturday. Um, and a lot of it seemed quite forced, like they were yeah, consciously thinking this is what we need to do as opposed to this is uh, happening automatically. Yeah, I noticed that too, Daniel, so that they were instructed to go back inside as much as possible and they would ignore the outside option. Um, to try and manufacture something through the corridor, and you're right, it didn't look didn't look um, f- uh, free flowing and natural. Um, and it, it begs the question again: Where's all the run gone? You know. Yeah, considering uh, Cameron is probably was probably our best run with run through player on Saturday, um, and he wasn't around in the first couple of weeks. The team hasn't changed that much. We haven't lost any of our outside players apart from McKay. 
who should be back in a couple of weeks. Yeah, one of the, but there have been some changes. I mean, we, we lost we lost lead in the back line to use uh, almost a hundred percent accuracy with his disposal, which puts pe- uh, the, the ball in the right in hands of the right player to do the right thing. Uh, and I th- and I think and you know and, and Hendo's got this bit of a habit that he likes to kick long and he kicks to a contest, which which tends to take away uh, the ability to. Um, Keep possession and, and and run right through the middle as easy as we would like to do. So, I mean, I think that's a very important thing. I, I noticed that Van Burlo in particular, he did he tried to do some of the the accurate kicking, and most of the time he wasn't too bad, but you know he missed a few times as well. Um, but I, I think also Douglas was also providing a little bit of run as well. So there have there has been uh, definitely um, uh, a lot of run, and I think there are reasons for it. Certainly, using yeah. Jacobs a lot as as a link person, I've noticed um, as that hit up target short, um, sort of you know inside the corridor with those diagonal kicks. Um, what we don't want to see is what blokes like Henderson does uh, and Van Berlo when they're on half back, and and that's go that slow backward switch. Um, no, no, no. Henderson situation. just no. Henderson doesn't do that. Henderson just stands there with the ball and allows all the defenders to actually get onto our players who have run free. Yeah, and then he does a slow switch or he does a stupid kick down the line. Um, uh, Yeah, I don't know. I think against the Gold Coast, I think our defence actually pushed up a little bit too high or certainly too high to allow us to get a lot of rebound off halfback. It wasn't that kind of game, really. Um, But we seem to be struggling when uh, teams crowd the corridor and crowd the uh, centre third of the ground. Um, and I don't doubt that we'll have that sort of a problem again this weekend. And that probably leads us on to a quick discussion. Uh, we've got about 10 minutes to go. Uh, so a quick discussion about the uh, the Giants game uh, coming up. What are your initial short thoughts, Danos? Um, it'll be interesting to see whether we've got some sort of um, plan to negate Heath Shaw. Um, he had 36 kicks or something against the Bulldogs at 100% kicking. Just unbelievable. Um, there needs to be some pressure on him. That, that to, to let him go like that was just, I, I don't even. No, that's amazing. You'd think Charlie Cameron would be the one there to apply a bit of defensive pressure out of the forward line. And yep, interestingly, that. What, watching that, I caught the end of that game and there was um, a bit where Heath Shaw and I think there was, I'm trying to remember who the other GWS player were, running it through the middle. Stringer was kind of jogging along behind them and I'm just watching him going, aren't you supposed to be quick, mate? Shouldn't you be, like, chasing? Just the lack of defensive pressure from the Bulldogs, It's to me it's going to be quite interesting um, because I don't think the Bulldogs' game plan works on an oval that's large, and that's so. I think last week's game, with how well GWS played, I think you also need to consider that they were playing against a team that has a game plan that doesn't work on that style of oval. Yeah, but uh, I, I did watch that game, and the thing that really stood out for me is that the rest of the GWS backline presses up pretty high. And Shaw drops back a kick behind the play, and 
he wasn't being minded. He, he they pay a spare man in defence, and he was a spare man in defence, and he just controlled the whole game from there. Even if they were on the centre wing, they'd go back to him, and then he'd take he'd pick his best option, and, and his kicking was excellent. But we have to, in my opinion, we can beat them if we put a dedicated player on him, and our player acts as if he was the backman and Shaw was the forward. Yeah, that good old-fashioned defensive forward uh, that went out of vogue a couple of years ago. Uh, we need to uh, borrow Matty Wright, get some uh, non-statistical <laughs> stuff going on. Just on get his... I, actually, <laughs> I actually think that with, uh, with our, how potent our forward line is, though, that you've got McGovern down there who's quick and will chase hard and Cameron... I think he's not going to get as clean ball, um, possessions as what he got against the Bulldogs. Yeah, but he, was, he wasn't even manned. He played the whole no. game unmanned. And, and that's what I'm saying. You've got to have somebody that's dedicated, dedicated uh, to just cutting him out of the game so he doesn't have that influence. You know, and if we had a bull of a centre-half forward um, in years gone by, what the tactic would be with the loose man is to make sure that every time he, he goes for a mark, he's getting absolutely smashed from behind. Um, do you reckon JJ might do that this week? I think Tex is probably better at it than JJ. <laughs> yeah. I, I was being kind of facetious. <laughs> I, I, I didn't bother to comment. Yeah. I, I knew that. JJ is actually hitting... Oh, hitting oh. More, no, than he has before. Come on. So you can't... No, last year I would agree with you. This year, he he is actually contesting and going for those kind of things. He is not doing what you described, but he's still actually coming in to contest, and that's a big body that is still hitting you. In in the game where T-shirt Tommy kicked his ten goals, Jenkins took a, just about a screamer. He put his foot or his knee yes. right in the back of the head of one of the GWS defenders, and just about knocked him out. That's the sort of thing that needs to be done four or five times in the first half against Heath Shaw. They just have to make sure earn every every possession. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, I'm being facetious about JJ, but I don't give a shit who it is, whether it's Tex or, <laughs> or McGovern or whatever. They need to make him earn it. And I think Mac is exactly yeah. right. They need a very defensive-minded player on Shaw. Um, and if... Um, Cameron Leon Cameron tries to get a numbers mismatch down back. I think Pikey's um, well served to just say, "I'll just keep manning you up and not yeah, allow them have to have that." Forwards. Yeah, yeah, not allow them to have that free uh, distributor off half back. Um, just as an aside, um, Party Magic and Danos, what's this seven fifty k for JJ from Brisbane? That's the rumor. I saw a rumour somewhere that um, Brisbane's apparently offered Jenkins 750k for five years. They were saying for five that years. On, yeah, they were saying that on 5AA, but they were also saying that, uh, and the TV was sort of backing it up, that he is still likely to pay, uh, sign a four-year contract with Adelaide, which is uh, what he wanted in the first place, but now it'll be for substantially more now than we originally offered because of the 750. Now, I, I was very... And there were a lot of us that... that uh, at the time when he wanted a four-year contract at four fifty, that was a bloody bargain. We should have signed him up then. And because, uh, as, as I said at the time, he was, physically he's a uh, relatively young in football terms. He hasn't played a lot, 
and uh, he can play, uh, play until his early 30s. And uh, now, well, they probably have to pay like 600 or 650. So uh, whoever's in charge there in Adelaide needs a good kick up the court, I reckon. I, I wouldn't pay. Uh, Justin Reid. And guess what, Macca? I reckon that no matter what was being offered initially, there would have been a no from Paul Connors because this is what he does. Yeah, I, I wouldn't pay it. This is this is this is a Paul Connors special. It was you can try and say that oh Adelaide should have um, agreed to whatever it was at the start. I bet you that what was reported there was actually it was more than that. That what they what Connors was asking for. And because this is what he does, he will not they his his stable whoever um, that he's managing they don't get the first um, the first offer that doesn't but, happen. But apparently that wasn't uh, an offer; that was an asking price by uh, his manager. Well, the second point was that four would, years. No, that would that would have been a rumor leaked by him. To get the other clubs to up stuff. No, I'm Look, with Macca. What what I heard a, initially that's what, was that's what, he does. what I heard was that it was four fifty over four years. The club didn't want to give him four years uh, because of his age, um, and they wanted three. Uh, since then, he's managed to kick some goals and play like a half decent footballer. And all of a sudden, he's worth three quarters of a million bucks. I'd tell him to get stuff. To be honest with you, for seven hundred fifty thousand, he's not worth it. Well, we won't pay that much, but I reckon we might have to pay up to six hundred. Oh, you'd probably pay six hundred because he's a key position forward, but I wouldn't pay him a cent more, and I'd be, uh, I'd be putting some performance clauses on that fourth year if I could. Yep, and even if you have to put performance clauses on a fifth year, just to get it over the line. Yep, because if he's performing, you want to keep him anyway. Good point, Dan. Yeah, I, I still think he's trade bait. I don't think he's integral to our team. I think he's a good player. Um, I think there's uh, good players underneath him that are coming through, and I'd be prepared to swing him out for a bloody A-grade, classy outside running midfielder, to be honest. Uh, look, I think we've got a very good line, forward line mix, and they're all different, and for that reason I'd like to keep them as they are. How many yeah, small forwards makes... can you play in one team, though, Macca? You keep calling him a small forward, but he has clunked more marks this year than he has previously, yeah. and I think he'll just get better. <laughs> oh, I wish I shared your optimism. Time will tell on that one. Um, so what do we reckon? Um, any chance against the Giants this week, you guys? Just quickly, Jenkins has only got three marks less than Lance Franklin this year. Buddy's not noted as an overhead marking beast either. Come on, Phoenix. Give no, some he's credit. not. Come on. Lance Franklin is not a overhead marking beast. He's not. Let's compare him to a Jack Rewalt or um, about, a Jess, a Jesse Hogan. Uh, he's, got one, yep. he's got one more mark than Charlie Dixon. Yep, so Charlie Dixon's <laughs> having a bad year. You would, would you have Charlie Dixon in your team? Phoenix, at, you're going to at 750? You're going to run our full forward soon. No, no, no. I just want a good one. Would you pay Dixon 750 over four years for his I'm output? A, I'm not a lunatic. No. All right. So why would you, if, if Jenkins is pretty much putting up the same stats, uh, what's the difference? Like, 
I just think that our current demographic and what we've got underneath him in the twos, what we don't have is pacey, classy midfielders. What we do have is forward line options. We've got Menzel sitting in the twos. We've got Harry Deer we're developing. We've still got Ramsey in the twos. Mitchie McGovern's going to be better the longer he plays. Jenkins is the one that doesn't play tall, that Seagull at the back week in, week out. He had fuck all possessions against Gold Coast where he should have dominated. And I reckon he's the one that swings in the win. Look, I can Sorry, As we Nick. said, Phoenix, he was playing a different role against the Gold Coast game. He wasn't playing deep. He was actually playing more up as the centre half forward. Yeah, we so he should have got twenty kicks. Down. He should have had the same sort of stats as Tommy Lynch, playing the same well, sort you, of role. You but have he didn't. a go. You have a go at the other people who aren't kicking it to him as well. Oh, no, 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 no. If Jenkins presents, they'll kick it to him, but he doesn't present. But you just said before that we were going more through the middle. He's that outlet, the side player. That's where you have your, your taller players on the wing. You don't have them in the midfield. Yeah, look, Phoenix, I can remember the days when we had Ian Perry in our forward line, and I don't want to go back to those days. I just like what we've got now. Yeah. I'm with Macca. Who would but you rather have, you Dion, who would you rather have, Nikki, Dion Prestier or... Josh Jenkins, who would you rather have? You only had one. Why not both? No, yeah, no, no. Why not both? Only, no, 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 one. Assuming oh, that we'd have to give up Jenkins for a player of the caliber of Prestia, who would you rather in this team as it stands today? I think our forward line is a nightmare. And I think it is, I agree with Macca, it is a good mix. You trying to, if you're getting rid of Jenkins, you have to bring in another tall and the only one we've really got at the moment who could do that and come through is Harry Deer and he's too raw still. Yeah, he's still green. All right. So you've so got the if, best if, you've got. So the... if, if you're bringing in Prestia, you also then have to bring in another player equivalent to probably the height and be able to, to give you a chop out, et cetera like Jenkins does. It, it's not a one-for-one one in that situation because so, it's the balance of the team overall. No, I'm talking about from a trade perspective, but I'll put something else to you. When you have 40-odd inside 50s and you have 36 possessions for a match, like in the, in the, in the forward 50, like we did against uh, Geelong, it doesn't matter whether we've got 10 Jason Dunstalls or Gary Ablett's up forward. They're not going to get a freaking uh, touch, are they? And I, I just think that we are going to have to sacrifice something at some stage to get some quality in our midfield or else this whole forward line quality is going to be wasted. And if you have a look objectively at who our key players are up forward, the bloke who is most expendable is Josh Jenkins. The only other one is Mitch McGovern, who could potentially go back to Western Australia, but he hasn't got the value marketplace that Josh Jenkins has. And if you want to get a quality, classy midfielder into our structure, which we're going to need to take advantage of our forward line strength over the next two or three years, we're going to have to give up something. And Josh, I think, is the one that is going to have to go. <laughs> so can you explain that to all the people who are lamenting about carriage with Menzel? Because that was exactly the same situation we did there. 
and there's people whinging because Kerridge is actually playing in the AFL right now. But they kind of forget that he's playing for um, Carlton. Wright's well, getting a game for Carlton. I mean, I think it's a different argument. Uh, the, the jury's out on that trade simply because Troy hasn't delivered yet. And we traded a solid, uh, reliable midfield forward um, who had extreme fitness um, and pretty pretty decent skills for a speculation on an absolute gun, talent-wise, with clear fitness issues and behavioural issues. So you back the club in to make that call, but the, the jury's well and truly out on that on that trade. But we're talking uh, the the whole issue with Jenkins is on structure and 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 the nature of trading. Um, we're not we're not going to magically pluck a speedy midfielder out of the trade pool for nothing. And who would, who are you going to give up? And who do people want? We've got Fremantle who need tools. We've got Brisbane who need tools. There's a couple of other Western Bulldogs would be in that mix as well. Um, Josh Jenkins is a marketable commodity. We need a quick, classy midfielder. How do you get him? Yeah, well, we don't get him from Frio because there, guys, he's uh, come out and said he's going to re-sign with Frio. Neil. And, and Ben Tree can get stuffed. Comparing me to Graham <laughs> Corns, you can get stuffed. I'm going to kick you out of the frigging comments. Just put him on mute because that's what Cornsy always did with me when I started winning an argument. Oh, I've actually got a, I've got an option here to block, block user, <laughs> but I, I won't censor. But get stuffed anyway, Ben. <laughs> I like Ben. Anyway, we better wrap this up because we've we've hit the hour and uh, a few of us have got bedtime. Um, so, what do we reckon, Gold Coast? Uh, sorry, Giants or Adelaide at home? Well, the the book the bookmakers have got us favourite, believe it or not, about a dollar seventy two. Um, uh, I think that if we do our planning correctly, because uh, I don't think the Giants, I think the Giants are about probably about a five goal worse side away from home, and it and if we do our our planning correctly, I, I think we can win the game. If we don't, if we allow Shaw to sit back there and just see goal away, then I think we'll get beaten. But uh, and but also we need a really big lift from everybody that's in the midfield, and it'll be interesting to see who actually is in the midfield after that discussion about Brad Crouch, etc. But um, yeah, I think the game will be won and lost from our point of view. Uh, I've, our defence has handled uh, their guns up there uh, previously, uh, but the two things that can win it for the Giants are sure and. Uh, the way he distributes it up forward, uh, and also they've got a very, very classy midfield, and our midfield's got to work its ass off and at least break even with it. Because if we break even, I think we'll outscore them. So we can win it. Will we win it? I don't know. <laughs> For me, you could have just said, "I don't know." <laughs> Jesus. He <laughs> <laughs> did very well there to get to the "I don't know." For me, for me, it comes down to one match up. Jacobs has to do well against Mumford. Oh, yeah, that is another match. I should have mentioned that, yeah. What do you reckon, Dennis? I reckon the biggest uh, concern we've got is uh, their midfield, uh, even after that discussion about Shaw. Scully, Canelio, Shill, um, Callum Ward. Ward. Um, yeah, they're their, nice. Their midfield has... Uh, 
just oozes class and we don't have anywhere near that. We're workmen compared to their uh, high flyers. So how we can counter their midfield is the biggest question. And, and since our midfield has been our biggest weakness, I think this is going to be the first week that I'm going to tip against the Crows. I think you're going to see us play behind the ball this week. Um, I think we're almost going to concede um, the midfield. Um, certainly, I, th- I think you'll see us absorb a lot of pressure across halfback, and I think we'll have numbers across halfback. I can't if we if we try a shootout or a running style against the Giants, we'll get absolutely slaughtered. And hopefully, Pikey goes out to win the game, um, and we play a, a strategy that that aims to block their run. And to provide a bit of congestion because they got those three tools up forward as well, Patton and like Cameron and the other bloke. Um, and if they get any sort of service into the forward line, we're history. So I think you'll find a fairly congested game. Well, I hope we'll find a fairly congested game because I think it's the only way we've got a chance to win. Well, well yeah, and it, you're quite right. And it, it comes back to uh, primarily the midfield. Danos was right. They've got a very, very classy midfield, and they've also got a very, very deep midfield. Um, and you're right that we've got to, we've got to make it so hard for them to get their run going. If we can do that, um, Talia's always done very, very, very well on Cameron, um, and I think we can uh, we can silence their guns if we force it into more of a scramble than to let them uh, come in with uh, a lot of method and system. But if they come in um, delivering the ball as they want, then they will get killed. But um, no, I'll, I'll stick my neck out and I'll say uh, Adelaide by about two goal. Nick, what do you reckon? Uh, I'm tipping GWS because I don't think... I reckon we'll match them at times, but we've been playing fairly putrid. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I would love to, like watching that Geelong game live, it's like, you know what? We're not that far behind them and we're playing so crap. All we had to do was just pick up that little percentage and I think we could push them. But I think GWS are in a, a nice level. But as has also been pointed out, they haven't played in front of a big crowd. So if we get loud at them, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle that. And if you check their record away from home, it's nowhere near as good. No, that's and a we good also, point. No, no, it we hasn't also been. play very well at home compared to away. Yes. Yeah, I'm with Vardy Magic. I think it will be very similar uh, type of game to the Geelong game, where we just see ourselves outclassed in the midfield. Um, and if GWS kick it anywhere near straighter than Geelong, I'm tipping a, a, a loss. By five goals, about thirty points. I think. I don't think it'll be that close, unfortunately. A year, year of little faith. And I'm I'm tipping Giants by less than ten points. I'm on my own here, but I'll, I'll stick to it. Maker, I'll be happy. Two goals. I'll be happy if you're right, mate. But uh, you know, um, I don't think so. <laughs> But it is encouraging that the bookmakers uh, have made us the favourite because they don't like handing over money for nothing. Uh, they don't give their money away. So in their mind, they, they've sat down and worked it out and they think, they think that we're uh, a very good winning chance, a better winning chance than the Giants on the road. And, and that's, I think that's one of the things that does give me a little bit of optimism. But I also think we're also due for a game where we actually do put our act together too. 
Yeah, we are due. I don't think it'll be this week. I, I don't think it'll be until we see the Crouch boys back in in decent form. Anyway, we better wrap it up. Um, it's been a good, lively conversation this week. So thank you to Maka. Thanks for stopping by. Yeah, pleasure. Always, we're happy to come here. It's good fun. Thank you, Nikki. And we didn't officially say it, but the oh, obviously cockwobbling number of the week. Of the week. Let's finish with that. Tom Jonas, it's got to be him. I would have thought. He wins. Yeah, there were some other ones which would have won normally, but, yeah, that's it. Yeah, Elbows Jonas wins it this week. Daniels, thanks for uh, returning to the fold, mate. It's good to have you back. Thanks, Phoenix. It's been good. Cheers. All right. And uh, on that note, we'll leave it. We've obviously got Scorpus again on... uh, Thursday night and then we'll be wrapping it up on Sunday as well so thanks for your company and we'll see you on the footy boards good night all bye